Welcome to Church Project. Glad that uh, you guys are here. Uh, this is summertime, so we've got people going all around the world, literally all around the world, enjoying their vacations, having a, a great time. But for us that are here this morning, uh, I've just got to warn you, this passage we're about to get into today is pretty exciting, and I'm a little amped up about it. It could be a little too much coffee, but probably it's just the Word of God that's got me more excited than anything. And so if you are a first-time guest here, uh, we're going to go through uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And so if you don't have a Bible, we'd like to give you a Bible. Uh, There's a Bible on on each uh, side where the lamps are. You can kind of raise your hand and we'll bring that to you. Uh, So you have a Bible. And also, if you've decided that, yeah, Chad's laughing. Also, if you've decided that it's easier just to take the Bibles home with you and you go home and find out you have 10 of them, bring nine of them back, okay? So bring some Bibles back. You only have three. Hardings have three. I think our family has four of these Bibles at the house. Oops, my bad. So it's Bibles for you, you, you to keep, and, and uh, we, we hold the Bible in high regard. So we're going to go through Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10 today. I'm excited for the message that God has for us. It's not a complicated message. This is a very, very simple message. Maybe that's why I'm so excited. It's an easy message to give today. I want to start out and say this, and I, and I need to address this in the room. Um, it is Father's Day. For those of us that are fathers, congratulations. Uh, we're proud of you. Thank you very much. Uh, um, man, this is awesome. For some of us, though, Father's Day represents a day that uh, may, may not be full of joy, or it may uh, bring bad memories our way or bad thoughts our way. And if that's your case today, we mourn with you as well. In the scripture, we see a picture of, a bio, of, of Jesus, and we see a picture of God and who He is, and He's the ultimate Father for all of us. So if we have a good earthly Father that, that we say, Amen and thank you for, then it's going to be easy to see God's beauty. But if we have earthly fathers and we have hard situations, sometimes it's going to be hard to see God's beauty in this. But my prayer is for every single one of us that regardless of what our earthly father situation is, We will see how the ultimate love of an ultimate God is the ultimate Father for every single one of us. And and I want to celebrate Father's Day on earth, but I want to celebrate and highlight Father's Day in heaven. Because God is sitting and looking at every one of us, regardless of our situation, and saying, you are my child, and I love you. Every single one of us. The love of God the Father speaking into every one of us. So if today is a day of pain for you, may it be a day that you get restored in, knowing how much God loves you. Let's read through these verses and get to this very, very, very simple message today that I think God has for every single one of us. So let's read these 10 verses. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. I'm reading out of the ESV version, so if you have a different version, it may be a little different. So uh, words, you'll you'll just kind of have to piece them together in your head, okay? So Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And you were dead in the trespasses of sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Verse 4, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which He loved us, 
even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. These verses make me smile. I don't know if you've read these verses before, maybe you've been through these verses multiple times in your life, or maybe this is the first time that you've encountered these verses. One of the things that we do at Church Project is we go expository teaching, which literally means we're walking through a book. We're going from verse to verse to verse. And so it's easy to know what we're going to talk about next week because we'll pick up on verse 11 because we end on verse 10 this week. So as a church, what are we doing when we're doing this? We're studying the Bible together. I'm going to be able to highlight certain things that I think God has for our church in this passage for us as his body. But you're also going to be able to go and pick up the word of God and just study it and say, God, what do you have for me? And I would encourage all of us to read ahead, read behind, get in the word, study it, get to know it. There's so much life in this. And so I'm excited to unpack these 10 verses for us this morning. So the book of Ephesians is written by Paul. Paul wrote a lot of the Bible. Um, Ephesians was one of his favorite cities, Ephesus. And he spent three and a half years in this city. He knows this city. He loves this city. He's poured himself into this city. And as he's writing this book uh, to Ephesus, a book called Ephesians, he is in Rome, in jail, in house arrest. And he's writing this letter to the Christians there, and he's saying, hey, and then he has all this theology he wants to talk about and who God is. And so everything that we're finding in this, keep in mind, it's by Paul who spent three and a half years talking and, and training and loving and showing people the love of God. And now he's in house arrest in Rome, and he's writing him this incredible, thick, awesome letter. And in fact, if you want to look the parallel, what's happening in the Bible, you can look along in in Acts 20, 19, 20, 21. And what's happening during this time while Paul is writing this is that God's name is being known in Ephesus. I mean, it is. It's like this fire that's catching on. People are starting to know who God is, who Jesus is as the Messiah. Ephesus, a great city. A a, a city that had a lot, a lot of wealth. And in this city, it was actually known because it, it housed one of the seven wonders of the world. One of the great wonders of the world, which is a great temple to the goddess Artemis or Diana, the princess of fertility. So it's a rich city. People are coming from all around the place to see this this big temple. There's a lot of movement going on here. And there's so much movement happening through Paul and the church that you can read about in Acts. Where in one single day, people that were serving this goddess of fertility brought all their statues that they would worship. And they burned them all in one place. Because God was like, I won't have this. And people were so in love with God that millions of dollars worth of artifacts and statues were burnt because people said, I can't serve the goddess Artemis and God Jesus Christ. There's so much movement happening and love for God happening in Jesus at this time. 
Wouldn't you love to see that in Greeley? Wouldn't you love to see that in America? Us just taking our worthless idols, throwing them in a big pile. Now this is the farm boy in me. I love this part. Pour gas on it, throw a match, and hopefully it doesn't blow up. Like, boom! I would love to see that. And God is asking in our life, even right now, maybe God's prodding something in your life where it's like, what are you holding on to? What are you serving that you are holding in higher regards than me? And we see during this time, a city falling in love with God as they burn millions of dollars worth of stuff that just does not represent Jesus, the Messiah. This is a sweet, sweet time. This is a sweet, sweet book. The first three chapters of Ephesians is full of rich doctrine about who God is. And yes, our doctrine is so important about what we think about God. So don't ever say, oh, doctrine, that's not important. No, it's, it's very, very important. Our theology is very, very important as Christians. Because we're going to respond and we're going to act the way that we think about who God is and, and how He's made up and, and, and His relationship to us. So our theology and our doctrine is so important as a church. That's why we hold the Bible in high regard. That was dyslexic in me coming out. That's why we hold it in such high regard. And that's why we, we, we ask you and prod you on to go study the Bible in multiple ways. We're going to talk about this message today, but we have house churches tonight and Wednesday. We have house churches where we can go and we can unpack this and Friday or whatever our house churches are. Look on the website uh, and we're going to unpack this and talk about this. So church, are you ready for this? You ready for these first 10 verses here? Again, I'm going to start out with a little, a little nerdy, just because I love this word called chiasms. If you were here a couple weeks ago, a chiasm is nothing more than a literary structure. When you're, when you're studying any kind of literary work, um, a chiasm is something that we see in these first 10 verses where a statement is made. And then we see another statement made. And then those statements that were made are restated in reverse fashion. And when this literary form takes place, not only in the Bible, just in any literary form, this chiasm, what it does is it points to usually a central theme that those whole verses or that whole teaching is talking about. And so in these first 10 verses, we see a beautiful, beautiful chiasm. And it highlights something that I think Jesus wants and God wants to show us in our hearts today. So put your face down in your Bible and let's look at this, okay? The chiasm starts and it says in, in, in verse 2, in, in which you once lived following the age of this world. See that? Now let's, let's go all the way through the chiasm and look at the reverse order of it, which would be down in verse 10. So it's referencing, talking about the same thing. In verse 10 it says, For the good works that God has prepared in advance, that we should what? Live in them. Beautiful. You see how those two things are talking about the same thing? Now let's go into the second point being made here in 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 verse 5. It says, By grace you have been saved. Look at verse 8. Says, for by what? Grace you have been saved through faith. or, Or through faith. You see that? And then we have this beautiful highlight in verse 7 that this whole thing, the structure form is pointing to. And it's verse 7. And look what it says. That in the ages, the ages to come, he may show his immeasurable riches of what his grace and his kindness to whom? To us in Christ Jesus. Highlight that. What 
a powerful verse when we begin to see this. This is about God, from God, for God. And we get to walk around in blessings because of this. So let's, let's look at verses 1 through 3 right here. And, and just kind of, I'm going to highlight a couple words, see if you understand them as I, as I kind of yell them out. And you, which is referring to the non-Jewish world, that's who, who Paul's writing to here. And you were, anyone know what, what, what part of a sentence that word is? Were? We're going to talk out loud now. What is it? Anyone know? Is it a verb? Is it a noun? What is it? Anyone know? I'm asking because I literally don't know. <laughs> Here we go. Okay. You and you were. What tense does that say? Beautiful tense. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which, in, in which you. What does it say? Past. Past, which you once walked, follow the course of this world, following the prince and the powers of the air, the spirit that is now at work and the sons of disobedience among whom we, and now he's talking about Jewish people, Gentiles, everyone, everyone included, and we all passed once. You see what we're getting at here? And we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, Carrying out the desires of the body and the minds and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. I love the past tense. And I love what Paul is saying right here. Satan is a liar. <laughs> oh, Satan is such a liar. I mean, John 8.44, if you don't believe that, John 8.44, a, a, a verse Grandpa and I talked about this week as we talked about this passage. Satan wants to, he wants to take you out. He uses the world. He uses our flesh. He uses himself, Satan, to influence us towards our disobedience towards Christ. Like Satan wants to take us out. He wants to kill us. He wants to destroy us. And it brings him great pleasure to do this. And so when we read the verses 1 through 3. And we hear the, the were, were and once. And we hear what was and what isn't. As Christians it should bring us great joy. It should get us bubbling. Because the world says that we can live however we want. The world says do whatever you want. Enjoy. You deserve it. Here's a great illustration. I couldn't get one with a good audio. And it was a little freaky. I got a little nightmares after watching this. But you remember Pinocchio? You know, you know Pinocchio? Anyone watch that? That was a scary cartoon for me. I still have a little nightmares. But I mean, especially in that part where it was Pleasure Island. You remember Pleasure Island on Pinocchio? Oh my goodness. I mean, all these, these little boys are, are running off this, mount, this ship and going to the Pleasure Island. And they're going and smoking and drinking. And I mean, they're having a great time. And I noticed something as now I'm 40. And I was watching it the other day. And I was like, and Pinocchio was chopping a piano leg with a real double-edged axe. Like, a, you know, those real, like, button, like, no, what's that big old lumberwood guy? 
Paul Bunyan, yeah. Like that big double-edged axe. He's, he's, he's chopping this thing. And I'm like, oh, that's so hipster of him. Like a real old hat, you know, an axe. And then what do they do? They end up turning to donkeys. And uh, what a great illustration for our, our point today. Satan wants to take you out. And he's, he's, he's usually going to do it through things where you're like, oh, this is awesome. Cutting a piano leg off with an axe, okay? Treat it, smoke it, whatever it may be. Like Satan is looking at us. And he may not come on with a full frontal attack. It may be subtle stuff. But make no mistake about it. Satan wants to take you out. And without God, humans were dead. Oh, but with God, we're the opposite. We've said this many, many times that sin will take you further than you want to go. Sin will always, without fail, sin will take you further than you want to go, make you stay longer than you want to stay, and make you pay way, way, way more than you were ever willing to pay. Welcome to Pleasure Island. Hope you enjoy your time. Hope you enjoy your stay. There's no leaving unless we're donkeys. As we look at these verses, though, sin is a very, very real thing. And without God, we have this thing, this total depravity in us. There, there is no good in us apart from God. That's it. We're totally deprived without God and His goodness and His love. Now, I'm not saying and we're not saying here that we can't do good. Like there's, there's philanth- philanthropists. How do you say that word? Philanthropists. That's a hard word to say. Come on, Aaron, you didn't even help me out, man. Now, there's people doing good all around the world. You know, feeding hungry people, hungry kids. I mean, doing all sorts of of great, great things. So I'm not saying we are, as humans, incapable of doing good. What I am saying, though, is that we cannot serve God and ourselves. So if you're just doing that good to do good, then what are you doing? In a lot of ways, we're serving ourselves because it makes us feel better. We're serving the world. We're serving temporary needs. And I'm not saying don't go feed hungry people. No, let's go do it. But when we do it, let's do it in the name of Jesus Christ so that He gets glory for all of our actions. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says this, So, whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all in the name of the glory of God. If we're just going out and we're doing good works, it's doing nothing but those good works. But apart from God... And apart from bringing Him glory and everything, we are totally deprived from any good. Isn't this a good, feel-good message? Our outward actions may be great, but inward it's about making us feel better or building pride in our actions. There's a great danger in this. There's a great, great danger in thinking your good is just good. It's good and somehow makes you alive. There's, there's a big danger in that, thinking that you can earn your way to heaven by doing great, great works. Because as my scripture reads, and as this Bible reads, and as the Spirit even prompts me and, and shows me and teaches me that this is the truth, is as for you and I, we were dead. And we need to be aware of our depravity. We need to be aware of that. I have no capacity to save myself. Zero. I am spiritually and physically, literally dead. We were born into a state of sin and have committed sin continually. And without God entering in, 
Without Jesus and the Holy Spirit, there was no hope for Aaron Havens. That's the Debbie Downer. And that's also the best message you've ever heard. That it's not by, by my great works that I'm going to enter heaven. It's simply by God choosing me and loving me. Thanks for that amen in the back, Jason. I heard it. I thought it was a good message too. I thought, man, this is great. This is a, this is a brilliant, this is a beautiful message. We're either following God or we're following the world and the flesh. Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed anymore to the pattern of this world. Because we know that when we're conformed to the patterns of this world, that that sin leads to death and destruction. And sin does not ever deliver what it promises. It turns us into asses on the, on the island of pleasure. Sin will take us out. I don't know about you, but I've had a lot of coffee meetings. In fact, I'm sick of coffee, but now I like coffee and I get sick and I like drink tea. And I've had so many coffee meetings that I, I love and hate coffee all at the same time. But as I'm ha- in these meetings, oftentimes I'll be sitting with someone and it's, it's very rarely I'm in a meeting and they're just telling me awesome, awesome, good things about God. It's usually when I'm in these meetings that someone's struggling or they're hurting or going through something hard. And, and, and oftentimes in these meetings, I can be sitting there and it's like God has just he's opened my eyes to the scenario and my heart's breaking for whatever this person or this couple is going through. But I also see a lot maybe of pride I see a lot of deception. I think I see a lot of just bad thinking. And, and months later, I mean, I can open the word of God and I can show them truth. But months later, the, the, the scales have not been removed. And this person or this couple are still moving in the path. And I'm like, I can tell you where you're going to be six months from now if you keep doing this, if you keep making these choices. The word of God is very, very clear. But they're blind. They don't see it. Some people got to learn the hard way, right? We don't need to learn the hard way. We open up the, the scripture and we let it align our life to what God is doing and moving and growing us in. And it's his love. So in these coffee meetings, I've learned <laughs> I need to shut up a lot. And I need to let the word of God speak. My encouraging words are just encouraging words. But I make it a goal now to in any of these meetings that I have to end in solid scriptural truth. Open up the word of God and say these words will last forever. Not just Aaron Haven's good advice. And my prayer in these meetings is that eyes will be open and the spirit will come alive. Because I know Satan's easy. Man, he's so, he's so sneaky. I want to punch him in the face. <laughs> he blinds people, doesn't he? It blinds me every day. You ready? I'm ready. This is the good part. We get to verse 4, and I like big butts, man. And this is a, this is a big butt. But! All that, all that, right there. All, all of that right there. The deception, the Satan, all that stuff. The prince of the air, all that stuff. All that... And I go, amen. I'm like, whatever's coming, I go, amen. Highlight that, underline that, do whatever you got to do to that. Don't draw pictures next to it, though. But here we go. But, but God gives us victory by his love. 
God gives us victory by His mercy, by His grace, through whom? Jesus. Why? Why does He give us this great victory? So His church will glorify His grace for all eternity. That's why. That's why He gives us so much hope and love and peace and joy. And we'll talk about those in a minute. The fruits of the Spirit. But that's why. And if you don't believe me, just look back a little bit. Look back in Ephesians chapter 1. No, like really do. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, verse 12, verse 14. What words do you see being repeated in Ephesians 1, verse 6, verse 12, verse 14? Praise of His glory. Everything is for His glory. Our lives, His church, this world, our unity, everything that's happening, praise of His glory. May everything point to Jesus Christ. May everything point to God. Not to just great words and advice from Aaron Havens. I read this and I go, God, may you get glory and may you get praise for my life, for my family's life, for church project, for Greeley, for all of us. May our lives point to you and may you get glory in everything that is said and done. And if we were in the South, we would get a big old rousing. Amen. Because that's what it's about. I look through this. Let's read through these verses right here and unpack a little bit and then we'll be done. Pretty short, pretty easy, pretty simple message today that if we get it, man, it changes everything. Verse 4, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, trespasses, made us alive together. Anyone? With Christ? By grace you have been saved and raised up with Him and, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places. What did you say? In Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness towards us. What did you say? In Christ Jesus. I didn't write it. I'm just, I'm just repeating it here. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not your own doing. It is a gift of God. Amen. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created... Go ahead. In Christ Jesus. For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Simply following Jesus. We can make this life so, so complicated. Our theology is so important. Our studying is so important. The academics of the Bible is so important. The doctrine is so, so important. And at the same time, we can get so heady and so knowledgeable. And we can get so proud that we forget that it's simply following Jesus with our lives. Follow Jesus in his life. And when we read about Jesus in the Bible, we see much intentionality. Where he acted and he served others. He squelched his own desire of the physical body and mind. 
We see Jesus doing this in Scripture. He can relate to us. He's a high priest that can relate to us. He's been through the same things we've been through. Well, how do we do that? How do we do and live like Jesus did? (laughs) As we look at this, we need to be reminded that the prince of the powers of the air, that this verse right here, or this this teaching right here, just talks about shortly up in verses 1 through 3. The prince of the power of the air, which is nothing more than saying Satan, the evil one, uh, his dominions, the demons everywhere. Uh, we We need to remind him who we are. That's how we do it. That's how we walk in the power of Jesus Christ is we remember and we remind Satan who we are. Remember that we belong to God through His Spirit. Here's that Trinity dance thing again. We belong to God through His Spirit and bought by the blood of Christ. A powerful dance of the Trinity on our behalf. We are a prized possession. Do you know that? We are a prized possession that God gave everything for. And Satan can't damage the goods. He can't. Oh, he's going to try. He's going to try. He's going to try to come in. (laughs) It reminds me of the great parable. And I think this parable is going to land our message today. And hopefully what what it's going to do is it's going to bring something into our life today that we're going to be thinking about the rest of the week. And we're going to be mulling over in our heart. And we're going to be mulling over in our mind. And it's a great parable of Jesus. And this great parable you can read about in John 8. You remember this one? And and, and here it is. It's the lady. She got caught in adultery. Shame, shame, shame. Bad, bad, bad. Your good works aren't good enough. Bad, bad, bad. So they bring this, this adulterous woman before Jesus. And what does Jesus do? Yeah, that was a little rhetorical. I'm sorry. He looks at the crowd. And he says, pick up a stone and throw it if, if you want to cast judgment on her. You without, you without, you know, sin in your own life, go ahead, pick up that stone and throw it at her. And little by little they left, and it left who? This woman and Jesus sitting right there. You see, we always, we, we get that story and we read about it and we think about it and, and we think, hey, don't, don't, you know, blame other, don't shame other people on their bad actions and whatever. I want to take it step, a step closer to home and I want it to land home for us. In our hearts, especially this parable right here. Oftentimes, people don't need to throw stones our way and try to take us out. Say, shame, shame, shame on you. We literally don't need other people to do it. Why? Because we're beating the crap out of our own selves. It's a battle that's already lost in our mind because we forgot who we are in Christ. Like we're sitting there and we don't need anyone to put shame and shame and blood and judgment on us because we're judging ourselves more than anyone else around us. Because we think that we can just be good enough to earn this love of Christ. In reality, we can't. Oh, what is true of Jesus is true of us. And maybe we need to be reminded that of that today. And you can look in this passage. And you can read it and you can see it. What is true of Jesus is true of us. He has been raised. And as children of a king, as have we. We have been raised. He is seated with God in heavenly places. And guess what? So are we. 
So when Satan comes and he tries to take our feet out, let's just remind him who we are. It's really that simple. Occasionally, at my new house, I get a letter that's addressed to the woman who lived there before we did. Oh, that old self? She's gone. Yeah, he, he hasn't lived here in a while. When Satan comes and tells you those lies, if you did it again or you're not good enough or whatever. Yeah, that old self, he, he hasn't lived here in a while. He's, he's actually gone. And I wish for these pieces of mail, that literal mail that's coming to my house, I wish I could you know, get a hold of the multi-million dollar companies that are sending me this junk mail and saying, you can't even send mail right, properly. Like, I'm not going to read this. What a waste of money and funds. Like, that's the most stupid thing I've ever seen you do, multi-million dollar company. <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing for them, isn't it? That they can't even get their mail right. Chad likes that one. And I want to tell these companies, yeah, this lady you've addressed this letter to, she moved a year ago. You've wasted a lot of money for no, no reason. Do you get what I'm saying right here? Do you understand what I'm saying right here? Maybe you need to close your eyes and maybe you need to really grasp this. We, uh, when Satan foolishly sends you junk mail, when he foolishly comes to you and reminds you of that, remind him that your old self has gone a long, long, long time ago. They've moved. They're not even there anymore. This house, this house has been updated. It has new paints, it has new gutters, and oh yeah, hardwood floors. And God is sanctifying us. He's making us more like Him and more who like we already are. He's making us more into the way that we already are. And that is seated with Christ in the heavenly places, a child of a king. Again, if we were in the south. Amen. 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 <laughs> we'll get it. The good news here is that we're becoming more like Him every day. Don't beat yourself up. Don't throw your stones in your own face. Remind Satan who you are. Remind yourself who you are. It's about God. God working in you. Pulling you into greatness and being alive. Forgiving you. Giving you everything. Why? So that his name will be praised in your life. Here we go. You ready through? You ready for just a shotgun of Bible verses? We ended last week this way. We're going to end again this week this way because I believe that if we, you know, the word says that when it goes out, it doesn't come back void. And so as we sh- we shoot out these Bible verses today, the Spirit's going to be moving in your heart, and it's going to be capturing greatness in you, and it's going to remind you who you are in Christ. Galatians two twenty. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen? 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Amen? Colossians 3.9, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have, have put off the old self with its practice and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Amen. 
Second Peter 1 4, by which he has granted to us his precious and very good promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. Amen. We're freed from that. Second Corinthians 3 18. And we all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Amen? Isaiah 64, 8. But now, O Lord, You are our Father. We are the clay. And You are the potter. We are all the work of Your hand. Amen. God is shaping us and molding us and designing us to be exactly who who He wants us to be. And I'm going to end in this verse that I said we would get to. And it's Galatians 5.22. And it's the prayer over our life. It's the prayer over my life. It's the prayer over Church Project Greeley. It's the prayer over the church at large. But by the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. This is who we are. This is what we do. And it is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. This is good news. This is simple news. The most beautiful message that we've ever heard. When we get to verse 10, we see this conversion. It's not the end. It's not like we one day wake up and go, hey, we're Christians in game. No, this, this is just the beginning. When we realize what God has done, how much He's pursued us and He's chosen us, it's just the beginning when we realize that. It's just the beginning of God's redeeming work in us, buying back what Satan has been trying to steal and kill and destroy in our life. From the beginning of time, this is the beginning of God moving in us. God continues working on us until the ultimate goal is fulfilled and that's making us like Jesus. And there's great joy in that. Hey, listen church, we're done. You can, you can shut your Bibles. Um, right now in near Austin, beautiful things are happening. There's, there's nine of our students down at camp with Jeremy and Brittany. And they joined, I think, 45 other students from Church Project in the Woodlands. And probably, well, they're probably at lunch right now. (laughs) They probably just came out of a session. And I've been in these sessions. Josh, Julie, you guys have been in these sessions. Where it's just hundreds of teenagers, thousands in your case, of teenagers in one place. And and a band that's leading people and worshiping God. And these students, man... What happens when these students are just surrendering all that they are and worshiping God in that place is phenomenal. It gives me goosebumps. And that's what's happening to our students right now down in Texas. Are you praying for them? Pray for them that God would continue to move in their lives. Growing them to be more like who they already are and it's a child of a king. And God wants to do that very same thing. We don't need thousands of people. We just need to realize what God has done. For us, what he continues to do in us, and we need to say, God, for your glory. Amen. So let's close our eyes. I'm going to invite uh, Jordan. Jordan, right? I draw a blank. Jordan, right?
I'm going to invite Jordan up to lead us. Uh, this is the time that I pray for more than anything. Um, I can spew off a lot of words, but I pray that the Holy Spirit is active in all of our hearts right now and minds. I don't know how you came into this place. Maybe you were drugged here by someone. This is the first time ever to even be in a weird church setting. Whatever. We'll try this God thing out. Okay. Fair enough. Some of us, this may be our 10,000th time we've said in a, in a church gathering of Christ followers. My prayer is the same for every one of us, regardless of where we're at in our relationship with Christ. Is that we would lower our pride and we would say, God, here's my life. Do with it what you will. Show me who you are. For some of us, it may be that we just need to say, God, I have been living life on my own. Serving me, my kingdom, my flesh, my world for the pleasures of today. But the writing's on the wall. I see where this is leading. And it leads to death. And that's not a place that I want to go. Maybe for the first time, some of us were realizing that the stuff that we've chosen to do in our life just is breaking God's heart and He's calling us to Himself, saying, would you surrender control of your life to me? Like, would you look up? Would you breathe for a second and realize who I am and what I've done and how I've forgiven all sin and how I want to move in you and create love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, gentleness. I want to create these things in your life as you go and you represent me to the world at large. I want you to feel that love. I want you to feel that passion and that purpose and that meaning with your life. Would you lock eyes with me? So I'm going to give us a time here just to respond to God in personal ways. If you would, just hold out your hands in front of you in a submissive stance and say, God, I I receive anything you want to show me. Anything you're telling me, anything your spirit is prodding in me right now, I receive it. Pray quietly to yourself. Say, God, please speak to me in here. And as God reveals himself to you and reveals things in your life, maybe you need to say, God, you know, I've taken too much control of this aspect of my life or I'm not trusting you in this or I'm anxious and worried and, and, and I'm not really even praying about that or whatever God's showing you right now, just have a conversation with Him. Just pray with Him. Talk, talk with Him right now and say, God, here I am. Mold me. I want to be that moldable clay. I want to be made in Your image more and more like You every day. So just have a conversation with God. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your greatness, your mighty power. Maker of everything that we know. And that you've given everything for us. To cover over our sin. To redeem us, to buy us back, to pluck us from the grips of sin in our life. And God, I pray over your church and everyone here and everyone listening uh, to the podcast or whatever, that as Satan comes and lies to us, 
May we remind him of who we are in you. We're forgiven. We're free. We're redeemed. We're sons and daughters of the king. And nothing less. And may you get glory in our lives. As we get busy showing others. Showing the world how much you love them. Church, I don't know what else to do than to invite you to stand. If you have a child in Project Kids, you can quietly and quickly go retrieve them and come back. And I say, church, let's worship God in this place for who he is, for what he's done, and how that impacts our life today. So I'll invite us to stand. God, thank you for bringing us here today. May you get glory and credit in everything that we say and do.